Hi, this is the Green Antler. Let's make it clear that they will be fine. And I'm recording behavioral and, science. And, and let's also tell them that, that the likelihood of being one is very high, right? So Traditional approach, financial disincentives for non-compliance. And very it makes sense to have these external economic costs, but they are clearly not enough. Just as an example, in 2011, and I had been outstanding tech stepped total 650 to 700 billion across sorry across the OECD countries so yes it's important to have penalties fines and audits but it's not enough people still invade the taxes for various reasons and and um, we had this wonderful opportunity to work with the government of Ontario, they came to us and said, um, we actually would like to work on organizations that are tax delinquent. And in particular, there is something called the employee health tax that, that organizations pay. And um, just to give you a sense, um, so organizational tax make up of make up 18% of the Ontario government's total tax revenue or more than that now and the employee health tax in particular there are about eight percent of companies so six thousand five hundred firms of about eighty three thousand firms who fail to file timely payroll tax each year and um, and as with the economic model if you as a company don't pay your taxes you incur large penalties and there is compounding interest and that's i guess the same thing also with your individual tax right so for every day that you're late there is compounding interest and so we had the opportunity to think about well how could we get an organization to file their taxes when they're delinquent speed that up and we also had really the wonderful opportunity to look at longer term impacts of our interventions and what i mean here well i'm sure as as many of you know we're very lucky if we can run an experiment once but it's very rare that we have the opportunity to run the same experiment twice or even more times and we had the opportunity to run it for two consecutive years in exactly the same way so that we could see what happens to organizations who only got the letter so our intervention only the first year, but not in the second year, or the other way around, or the companies that didn't get our intervention at all, versus companies who got it two years in a row, if they happen to be two years, in, in two consecutive years delinquent. So I think that's 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 an important addition to to the current insights because it tells us something about is there adaptation for example if you have received an intervention the first year and it worked you somehow get used to it and the second time and you get it it's no longer working or it's also just knowing if you got it in the, in the first year and now you're delinquent again in the second year but in the second year you don't get that intervention is there however that first intervention from the previous year still working so that somehow you're behaving differently in a way or not so those are the kinds of questions that we really hold in. And so, um, what was the approach? Well, there are obviously always some limitations when you work with organizations in the sense of what can be done. And in this particular case, we were told, well, we always send a letter to delinquent um, organizations. And the only thing that you can do is to change that particular letter. And so what do we usually do, right? We, we look at how are things done currently to try to see what can be done differently. And so when we looked at the letter, there were a few things that, that, um, that were like, just when reading, you know, like any one of us by intuition would say, well, that doesn't seem to work very well. So, I mean, that's one thing, right? That we can try and change like, the things that immediately pop up. But then we also wanted to think about some more tangible behavioral interventions we could use. And so the question becomes, well, what do we know from existing experiments on, on taxation? And most of them are for about changing individuals' decision-making, not organizations, right? And when it comes to individual taxation, we know that um, social norms messages have really worked very well. So if I tell you, 
whatever the real numbers are, but let's assume 90% of people have paid on time, right? If I tell you 90% of people have paid on time, you are in the minority that has not. That works really well on an individual level. Um, so we're wondering, well, would, would that maybe work for organizations? Not really sure how much an, how much an employee would care about how how other companies are doing. I mean, if it's if it's if the if if you are like a one one man one woman business maybe, but if you're just one employee in a large organization, we didn't think that that would be so impactful. Then there's a lot of research on tax morale. So if you if you have moral appeals, that that could work again. This was just based on intuition. We felt for an organization that, that, that maybe less. And then we thought, well, let's try something that hasn't been used that much in an individual taxation experiment, but that we thought may work in an, organ in an organizational setting very well, is to use um, implementation intentions. So helping organizations to think through about, okay, well, when, where, and how will I actually act to pay these delinquent taxes? It has shown to work really well with preventative screening. It works well with voting. The effects were relatively strong. Um, and so we thought, well, let's try it in this particular context. And so basically what we did is, so taxes are due on March 15th. If you haven't paid your taxes as an organization, you get a late notice around April 21. And 40% of those companies that were late paying employee health taxes received the standard control letter and the other remaining 60% received our behavioral letter. Um, and it so happens that the process is usually such that just 10 days later on May 1st, if you as an organization are not reacting to the late notice, then this then everything escalates to collections. And that's more expensive for, for the government, so we would like to make sure that people pay before that due date. And we extracted the data on November 2 to see what has happened to companies' behavior over time. So all the way from April 21 to, uh, sorry, from April 21 to November 2. We have a question from Dave, actually, so I don't know if it's a good moment to pause. Hey, uh, I um, was just curious if you could say a little about the 40-60 split and why you were doing that instead of 50-50, just kind of interesting. And I think other people might have the same question, so I thought I'd check. Um, we just really believe that our letter would be better, so we wanted to have more impacts, but at the same time, we didn't want to sample to be that unequal for statistical reasons, and so that's why we're Yeah, interesting. Thanks. And, um, and just to give you a sense of 25% of those companies that were late filing the taxes were repeat offenders. Okay, so the standard letter, let me just check the so the standard letter, as you can see, looks something like this. So it starts with the title requirement to file just under employer health tax. We have not received your employer health tax annual returns for the following calendar year. Calendar year, your return is due on or before the 15th of March. Please complete and file the return before payment immediately. Interest and penalty charges will apply. Immediately makes sense, right? Because every single day you are getting interest is compounding, right? So the faster you pay, the better. So your your return must be filed immediately with full payment in order to prevent further interest charges to you or referral to the collections branch. Continued failure to file is a serious offense, and so on. That's 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 it. Um, we changed it a little bit. Um, so as you can see already in the title of the line, we try to immediately instill some urgency because if you don't read maybe the letter that carefully, at least when you read the top, your employee health tax and return is overdue. And so you must file immediately, right? But the biggest thing is really, we, we thought about, let's give some guidance on the when, where, and how. Because that's usually how you instill implementation intentions. You help people or this particular organizations or employees to think through how they would do things. Now, the standard 
letter says, do it immediately because again, that's the right thing. We thought, let's actually have a deadline because people are, you know, sometimes we need deadlines. Some of us, you know, back in time when we were at university or high school and you know, there's some papers due, right? You usually wait until a deadline, but then you do get it done. And we thought, well, um, since collections start on May 1st anyways, let's have it as the deadline May 1st because that's actually true. On May 1st, it is escalating, right? That's the when. And then we explained where and how, right? You can you can sign by mail, you can sign in person, you can log on online. And then the where, like the streets, service centers, and and, um, and the website. Now, this is not news to companies. Right? Companies usually know all this. So this is nothing new, but the idea of implementation intentions is that you, you, you make it so that the task seems manageable, it seems easy, okay, it's clear, it's just these three things that I need to think about, and then just, just do it. And um, to my point that I just made, organizations know how to file their taxes and where, when 97% of organizations in year one of our experiment and 99.9% in year two of our experiment had previous filing experience in previous years. And so they know by when, how and where to file their return, right? So that's, it's really nothing new. It's really just more from a psychological point of view. Which so that was, biggest... that was all that we did. And we did it in two consecutive years. If you as an organization were delivered. And then we look at that, well, how long did it take you as an organization to file your taxes after you have received the letter? Okay, that's, that's what I'm going to show you. So we have here on the x-axis, so on the horizontal line, the days after the late notice letter was posted. And as I told you, we have a, um, it was posted around April something, I guess 2021 uh, uh, or something like this. And we have the data until November. And on the y-axis, you see the percent of organizations that ended up filing the annual return. And so this is how it looks like with the, the controls of the standard letter that organizations um, that, that the government um, sends. I have here a line that I edited that shows the deadline that we had in our behavioral intervention letter and this is also the day as i told you when actually collections start with more effort and more costs for the government and you see here the 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 dashed line this is how many companies on each day paid their taxes um after reading the intervention letter and and um and I have here stars to indicate for which of those days the differences are significant. And you see a few things. So first of all, you see that all the way up to 10 weeks, we see that our behavioral intervention letter is superior to the standard letter. And then it, 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 um, you don't really see any more a difference in the number of observations that, for example, by day 100 after the late notice, ended up paying the tax. But that is also not that surprising that this gap closes over time because remember, um, after 10 days, collection efforts start and even more efforts, right? And so you would hope that um, the letter itself matters less and less because now all these other additional costly actions actually make a difference. Um, but what it also does is, because of our intervention, ultimately organizations pay their taxes faster. So on average, they pay their taxes 4.4 days faster after than with the standard letter. And in year two, it looks very similar. The gap is even a little bit more favorable towards the intervention, but it's very similar. So it takes organizations 5.3 days fewer to file their taxes and we see the impact of the letter to last up to 16 weeks after having received and, 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 and again I mean, it was just this change in the letter and nothing else right um, what we also have seen is that the type of late notes that, that you received in year one 
had no influence on the likelihood that an organization would be delinquent in YouTube. So meaning, if you got our behavioral letter in 2013, which was our first year, and as a consequence, you paid your taxes faster, just because you got that better performing letter in 2013, that didn't have any influence on whether you were delinquent in the next year or not. So, or say differently, a company that got the regular letter or our letter was equally likely to be delinquent the next year. Um, so this graph, I don't think I have to go in detail. It's not the easiest to explain, but at the end of the day, what this graph shows is that the mean days that it took organizations to find the taxes was the same uh, no matter whether they, so in, in that second year, um, was the same, um, So, no. I, just, I just want to check one one week thing. No, this is the right slide. Yeah. So, the main takeaway of this slide is um, that repeated exposure to the treatment did not have a backfiring. I wonder whether I should take more time to explain this graph. Let me just see one thing. No. Okay, so let's not go to this graph, but the main takeaway is if you get a letter in, in one year, it works really well. It doesn't have any influence on how you're behaving in the second year. So there's no persistence. And the other thing is there's no habituation. So if you got the behavioral letter in the first year, it worked really well for you. If you were delinquent in the second year again, and you ended up again receiving that same behavioral letter, it had the same effect as in the first year. So the effectiveness of the letter did not decrease with repeated exposure. Now, I think that is an important insight because oftentimes we don't really know whether a behavioral intervention will work the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Here we see it works the second time. Now you could also say, well, it's also not that surprising that it works the, the second time because it, there's one year in between, right? So you may not even remember anymore how the letter looked like one year before, right? But I, I still think it is an important insight that at least with taxation, we need to worry less about habituation because I know when it comes to individual decision-making and changing individual's behavior, such as working out, which is more, there's something you're doing on a more frequent basis, hopefully, and not just once a year, right? So there, if you get the same message encouraging you to work out, there I think, um, you may really worry about whether people after having received the message maybe four times within a week or two weeks whether they will still really pay attention to it and think about it so that it really have an influence um and here at least we see with taxation one year seems to be enough to to um not be something to worry about so that is the first experiment that i wanted to show you and um so what this experiment i think makes very clear if you are able to improve the learner from a behavioral perspective to increase organizations likely to, to act then um you don't have to worry about doing it over and over again there's one year between this was an experiment that, that virtually had no cost because we're writing the letter wasn't i mean it was our time that we invested to rewrite it, but you're just printing something, right? That you're anyways printing, so just the text that has changed. So that was really very, very cheap. Um, and if you think about impact, a very simple change in the letter, in this particular case, we, if, if all of the delinquent companies in, in our experiment, and I should clarify, all companies that were delinquents in these two years received either the standard letter or our behavioral 
letter. But if everybody had received only our behavioral letter, the impact would have been 500,000 additional tax and 10,000 saved in collections costs. And this is annually. So a small change in the beginning. Ina, you actually have a question here. So Amalia has her hand raised. Thank you. Um, you were talking about how there uh, does not seem to be uh, any sign of habituation. And I was wondering if you had information about uh, the recipients or the departments getting the letter. Like, would, like, would it have any effect, um, the fact that there were staffing changes or, or that kind of thing? Like, it's just a difference um, in looking at an organization versus an individual. Yeah, no. So sadly, we don't have any of those insights. We don't know anything about those organizations other than I think we, we had some insights about the size or the number of employees. And you could maybe argue that maybe bigger, com bigger companies have, have more of a turnaround, but I don't, I, I'm not sure that it's true, right? But we didn't see any difference here in, in, in terms of size, but no. So that is one of those um, limitations. Um, that we really we don't have any fine-grained data to really understand what's going on but I do think it works in our favor exactly what you pointed out so one is that it's one year second is that there may be some stuff turned around so it is likely that it is really entirely huge for, for an employee and so in, in that sense, in organizations, you may have to worry less about adaptation just because of that, in addition to the time. And, and, and that's something really interesting in comparison to individuals. A very good point. And one of the other limitations to not having that much information about the organizations themselves is also we are not able to disentangle what are really the individual contributions of the changes that we made to them. Right? Because maybe it wasn't so much about that we changed the look of the letter and the, and, and the how and the why, but maybe it was just the deadline. Um, but we don't know because, as many of you know, when we run experiments, we sometimes don't have the luxury to run, you know, one change here, that's for one sample, a small change here for another sample, then we have to let you see. And instead, you, you try to throw as many things at something at once as possible because at the end of the day, you care more about having an impact than from an academic perspective, now we understand which of these elements we have. And obviously, we, also, we only tested one, right? We only tested the idea of implementation tensions. There, might, there, there may very well be others that are working even better than this, right? So we cannot say how this is in comparison to any other behavioral interventions. We, and, and, and because we didn't have really that much time to do research to really understand what are the barriers of organizations to pay, we, we were just acting upon intuition. We decided to use the implementation intentions because it has been working in so many other domains. But again, it, if, if we really understood what the barriers are, maybe we would find that, that um, a different behavioral concept would have been more successful. Okay, so that is that one. And uh, let me see, 15 minutes for Poland. Okay, I will try to browse through that. So in Poland now it's individual taxes. And, and one of the limitations of this one, what I just said is we only were able to try one particular intervention. It worked very well, but is it optimal? We don't know. In Poland, we actually could do a mega study because this was now Poland-wide. Every single individual income tax payer who was late was part of our experiment. <coughs> and um, just to give you a sense, so when I say the entire country of Poland, what does it mean? So it covered almost 150,000 individual taxpayers. Who, de who had declared their personal income tax, but had failed to pay the taxes. And this is where we ran our, our randomized control trials. Um, and uh, I will just mention one more thing. So I will show you in a moment how complicated that individual letter looks like in the different 
But um, one more thing that I want to mention, the government of Poland at that time said that they always sent delinquency letters by registered mail because they thought that that is more official, it's more serious looking, oh, wow. and you know that the letter nice. is really, has really this arrived really good, at the person that you're trying to reach. But it comes at a cost. A registered mail is much more expensive than regular mail. And so we wanted to also see how important is it really that something is sent with registered mail versus regular mail, because that would save on the cost side and actually quite substantially. So here's the idea. Taxes, the payment of your taxes is due April 30th. On May 23, you would receive a delinquency letter and we would send you one of the many that we tried and then we extracted data at three different time points and we looked at two main dependent variables. We wanted to see what do our, what will our intervention letters do to the payment rate, so the percent of delinquent taxpayers that end up paying, and what does it do to the payment amount that delinquent payers are paying on average. So those were the two dependent variables that we had. And here's the mega study. So you see we have almost 150,000 late payers. On the far left, so this grayish, darker blue um, uh, rectangular says control group Dunning letter. That is the regular letter sent by the government. And, and for that one, we had about 6,000 that received it by the regular mail and almost 6,000 that received it in the traditional registered mail way, right? So, and you see, together we have about 12,000 in that control book, so the standard letter. And then all the the, the, the light gray ones, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So these are nine behavioral interventions. So what did we do? We took the control, the Dunning letter, looked at it and said, what are the things that we don't like about it? How would we write it? We as behavioral experts, how, how do we think we would want to write it from scratch? Now we'll show it to you in a moment. That's our behavioral baseline. And then we added to that behavioral baseline that we designed, we added a paragraph, either with social norms or with a public good message that is positively framed. So if you pay your taxes, this and this can be funded or negatively framed. If you don't pay your taxes, this and this cannot be funded. So these are the kind of soft tone messages are more about social incentives. And then we had a, and then we had five more hard tone messages that were focused more on deterrence. And I will show you a few examples of those five. That was the whole experiment. Um, this on the left, see the time again, 10 minutes, that should be enough. This, this one on the left is how the standard letter looks like. Lots of paragraphs, not even clear what the time is, a table, language is really difficult to understand. I mean, just read that first sentence. Pursuant to Article 15, Paragraph 1 of the Act of June 17, 1966, on execution proceedings and administration, blah, blah, blah. This is to call for payment of as follows. I mean, it's, I mean, right? This is very, very hard to understand and to read. And, and then after this first page, then down many more details on, on following pages. And so we kept the following pages the same, but thought, let's just have a cover so the first page is different. And this is where, where I was at. So that's our behavioral baseline on the right. Please pay your income tax due by June. Dear sir or madam, according to records, you have not paid your income tax for 2015. If you do not pay your liability, and you said what it is, and any accumulated interest by then, you will, you will be subject to execution proceedings. Please pay. So it's not new information, absolutely no new information. So there's no added deadline or anything like that. It's just that we made it much easier to understand and everything else in the subsequent pages. That's our behavioral baseline. And then there where you see the errors, this is where we now added the behavioral variations social norms, I have just given earlier an idea, public goods I've explained. The deterrence, for example, says not paying taxes places an unfair burden on all other taxpayers who have honestly fulfilled their duty. 
We are therefore determined more than ever to collect taxes from those who avoid paying them. As part of the execution procedures, we can, for example, block your bank account, salary, and in addition, you will have to cover all execution expenses that arise. This is actually true. These are actually really the consequences. Um, we also had something that had the same message, but then the, we actually added as an attachment to the letter, the execution form that would be sent to you if it came to the point that you, that, that, that the, the follow up actions are happening because you're not acting, right? So this was actually a table that shows you how you have to fill out your salary, your bank accounts and everything. So you just get a sense how much work that would be if it came to that. And we had something that we also think is a hard tone message, even though it's different. It says, so far we have thought of your payment delay to be accidental. However, if you disregard this notice, we will consider it an intentional choice of yours and think of you as a dishonest tax type. And then we, and then we added, we had a combination of that with deterrence. And then we tried to change a bit the perspective. So it's not that we will think of you as this, but you should consider yourself, um, um, you should consider this decision as an intentional choice of yours. Um, usually, I like to ask what you think will work best. So maybe you should ask yourself briefly. I will not make a poll right now, but if you think of those social or public good, and then all these different hard messages, just think for yourself what you think may work best. So let me show you the five key takeaways from this. Check time again. Okay. So first, the delivery by regular mail works as well as expensive registered mail. Just that insight, important insight from the government. No need to spend that much money. You can see the percentage of taxpayers paying the income tax is virtually the same, no matter if it's standard or informal. So, in the regular mail approach, and 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 um, the results are the same if we look at the amount of payment. Second, the behavioral messages throughout all of them that we have improve tax compliance significantly in comparison to the letter that the government usually sends. Okay, any of them. So just to give you a sense, our worst performing one increased it by 6.7%, which is the public goods negatively framed message. Our best performing message increased by 21% the effectiveness. I'm showing you the percentage of taxpayers paying their income tax. But it's very similar when we look at the payment amount, it's 10% or 11% for the best performing one. And our best performing one increased the amount paid by 31% in, in comparison to the standard letter. So huge changes. Third takeaway. The hard tone messages are significantly more effective than the soft tone messages. So you can actually see the soft tone messages are all the orange ones, the hard tone messages are all the gray ones. The black one on the right on the left is the bar for um, those that receive the standard letter. And what the bars are representing is the percentage of taxpayers, delinquent taxpayers that are paying their income tax after all. You can see with the soft tone messages, we have a 9% increase over the government's regular letter and an 18% increase with the hard tone messages. Um, and it looks very similar with the amount paid. Fourth, the messages work better for some taxes. So there is heterogeneity. Some messages work better for some than for others. That's not surprising, but oftentimes when we have smaller experiments, we don't have the luxury to look at that kind of heterogeneity and that becomes really important as you think about well can we optimize the assignment who gets what right and and we haven't digged that deep and also for the interest of time i don't want to really get into that other than i will just show you three examples here that the terence messages work better for parents the public good messages increase compliance for people between 20 and 29 but decrease compliance for those aged 15 and 64. Now, why we don't know, but maybe it's the choice of public goods that we have had because we were talking about schools and other things that, that may be more interesting 
for the younger generation. It would be interesting whether that would change if we pick other public goods that are poor, also funded by, by taxes. We don't know ultimately. And then the, the last one I find really interesting that the public goods messages work better in the rural areas than in urban areas. So definitely some things to explore and we're also doing some, some more research on that. Okay, and fifth and last takeaway, and, and this was the surprising one for us. Some behavioral messages were significantly worse than their behavioral baseline. So all messages were better than the standard letter that the government sent. You know, not potentially that surprising since you've seen how difficult it is to understand, right? But we always had, but, but then we had our behavioral baseline letter and we inserted extra information. And we find that some of these inserts made it so that the letter was worse than not having these inserts. And that was very interesting. And when you want to, and, and, and now I will show you which ones. So just for a moment, so you see here the percentage of taxpayers paying the income tax, you see just changing from the standard letter to our behavioral baseline letter is already a significant increase. Okay, the, the percentage of taxpayers paying the income tax. And now we look at the softer messages and the hard messages. All hard messages were significantly worse than the baseline letter. So sending a letter with a social norm was worse than sending a letter without a social norm. Sending a letter mentioning public goods was significantly worse than sending a letter without any information about public goods. And the deterrence letter itself was also significantly worse than the behavior baseline. Um, and then we see three of the other hard messages are not significantly different from the, from the behavior baseline. And it's really just one single message that is significantly better than our behavior baseline. And it's the omission plus deterrence. So it's this one. So far, we have thought of your payment delay to be accidental. However, if you disregard this notice, we will consider it an intentional choice of yours. We will treat you as a dishonest taxpayer. And then as part of the execution procedure, to be careful, for example, block your bank account, salary, and in addition, you will have to cover all execution expenses. So that was particularly interesting to us because social norm, public good, positive, public good, negative, usually works really well, We right? We, we know from tax experiments on income tax in the UK. We know from similar experiments in Guatemala and other places. And to my knowledge, I've never seen that it backfires in comparison to the behavioral based method. And that's, I think, an interesting one because oftentimes we see these studies and we assume that they will that work equally well in other places. And it's not necessarily the case, right? Because cultures are different, views are different, history is very different. And we and and we actually went back to Poland and ran a survey with with Polish participants to get a sense if I, if we just show them these different interventions, what they think would work well and get also people's reactions to those different messages. And I don't have time to talk about this right now, but I I do think it's really important to stress how cultural context um, really matters. And this is something where behavioral insights and where replication is, is really important, that we learn more how we robust certain interventions across context. Okay, so the impact of this, if the best performer was sent to everyone, so the omission and deterrence, it would have been 10 million US dollars, additional tax and 40% reduced cost. Um, why are soft and just for the limitation? Why are some soft tone letters performing worse than a real baseline? I cannot tell you right now. Well, I can tell you now some things based on the survey, but I'm not telling you right now because we don't have time and we don't know for sure because that's just a survey that we did afterwards. But we don't really know about what happened with the people who actually had received those letters. Um, but I will stop here with those two experiments and I look forward to your questions. Thank you so much, Nina. You don't get the uh, benefit of 
loud applause on Zoom, but I can assure you that people are uh, clapping in their little video screens and using the reactions to clap. So thank you. That was a really great experiment. I love some of the, the points you ended with. And I think the first question in the chat is relevant to those. So I'll just read it out. So this is from Kate Martinova. If I got a letter telling me to think about myself as dishonest, I would feel weird. In your survey that you did, did you get any feedback about that wording beyond just its effectiveness, but anything, uh, any other reactions to that message? Um, I I don't have a slide on on all these individual reactions on those on those um, those interventions. I don't recall that um, people thought it was particularly awkward. We, I I know that we particularly cared also about. This is maybe I know this is not what you're asking, but we could, for example, worry whether the hard tone messages in general um, may have increased stress or people thought it was inappropriate for the government to send something like that and, and those are the kinds of things that we were trying to elicit because i think it is important to understand whether whether there could be any negative effects there and we didn't see that people thought it was inappropriate um, I didn't see anything in terms of inappropriateness there, so that would also include that that particular intervention that we call omission. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. I, I wish I had a slide on there, but no. Thank you, and I think we have a question from Dave. Yes, Dave. Yes, great, great presentations, and I have a thought and a question about the first one where you have, especially the deadline in the first study and I thought it was pretty interesting actually because there, I mean of course there's been a lot of studies on deadlines but I think there's something unique here which is that the control condition says please do it immediately right usually it's like deadline versus not saying anything and here it's like immediately it's you're actually in some ways making it easier on people and you're not asking it so you, you still say, well, soon if you can, but here's the real like later deadline. And I wonder if there's something interesting psychologically happening there too, where when you say you have to do this immediately and when you're in an organization, you, you might be thinking, well, there's no way I can get this done today. So I'm going to miss it anyway. And, you know, there almost in some cases could be a backfire effect of saying immediate. And, and it, yeah, to me, it's just interesting that you're in some ways uh, delaying, like putting a later deadline, right? In, the, in your treatment letter, right? Um, Which so economically, yeah, you know, it's it's from an academic perspective, I I totally agree. It's 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 very intriguing, right? Because from an economic perspective, having our ten day deadline is actually worse from from a company perspective because every single day you're accumulating interest, so you really want to pay as soon as you can, right? Yeah. Um. But yes, it is interesting that somehow the immediacy works worse so whether it's a backfiring effect because it feels i cannot do this immediately it may feel overwhelming somehow um i don't i mean that's one of those things where i wish we could we have more insights i mean i could go to a lab right and and and, and gather people's perceptions about it but yeah it's an interesting observation i agree with you yeah very cool thank you hmm more questions in the chat this one's from liam divine uh thanks for the presentation very informative curious if you had to explore any legal considerations for the non-compliant actions like cutting off salary or was that something the institutions already had the power to do so we didn't change anything with the processes that the governments were doing um so um I guess I'm not understanding the question. I think that was the question. It was basically, were you adding something or was that what they were already doing? No, no, no. So the only thing that we did is we changed the letter and nothing else. Everything, the government just followed the procedure. And, and what was mentioned in the deterrence language is what they are doing. And what was kind of also explained on the subsequent pages, just so we put it more, I guess, clear. But it's nothing new, it's no new processes, no new um, consequences. Great, thanks. Uh, question from Wilson Sweet. 
does Polish translation into English have a bearing on how we are interpreting the wording? How we are interpreting the wording? Um, probably yes, um, but I'm, I'm trying to understand where that question is going. And, and, and so we had on our team, or we have on our team, Eva, who is a Polish native speaker. So she helped with the translation and she is working at the World Bank on various text experiments and, and, and has been working with the Polish government. So she has helped to translate from the US to Polish and um, try to retain the, the, the English meaning that we were thinking of so that it is preserved when it is in the Polish language um, so that was important to us and also the survey that we did subsequently to understand people's reactions to our interventions were in Polish so it's not like that they in our survey which the results I haven't showed you so there we also wouldn't have an issue it's not like that we showed them the English letters and then asked in Polish, but everything was done in Polish. So um, I think in general, yes, it's very important when we translate into different languages to preserve the meaning. I'm, I, I'm thinking that we were able to preserve it because I mean that Eva did the right job. Um, but I do think it's important that, that you want to have somebody on the team who who speaks the language that you're translating to, but who also understands in English what what the meaning is. Great, thanks. I think that uh, answered his question. And we have another one uh, in the chat, and then we'll go to our next raised hand. So this one in the chat is, uh, have you seen or do you think something similar, uh, I'm just gonna paraphrase to shorten it a bit, uh, something similar would be effective in a context like organizations being delinquent for environmental compliance, for example, pollution, illegal forestry, mining, etc. So the question, have I seen something what? Do you think, uh, for I think for the uh, Ontario example, do you think something similar would be effective for environmental compliance instead of tax compliance? The implementation intentions? Um, it's a very general question. I would need to understand um, what type of compliance we're talking about. I mean, here it was just for paying your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. Compliance uh, with, with environmental compliance. I guess it would also depend on what type of behavior are we looking for. So it would be hard to judge. But I think in general, we have seen implementation intentions also from various meta analyses seems to be a fairly robust um, tool, you know, insights tool. And that goes back to your earlier point that sometimes things that work in one context surprise you and whether they work or not in another context. So the importance of testing. Like with the social norms here. Yep. Uh, and we have a raised hand from Sarah, Sarah Fowler. Thank you. Uh, this has been really interesting and uh, just sort of on that environmental compliance bit, there's often not any teeth in those sorts of laws, at least that's my understanding, and the tax uh, compliance, there is teeth, you know, and, and part of that is the education of that, like where, well, they could be taking your salary, you know, so it's like, maybe people don't understand that all the time. I always sort of tend to operate on uh, on the baseline of uh, ignorance, I think that's one of the things, oh, we assume that you didn't know you were in arrears, right? You know, that's like the kind of wording. But um, my question actually is about the uh, regular mail versus registered mail, because that is, to me, how you separate the coupons that you don't really need versus the things that are pressing and have teeth and will have consequences if you continue to defer them. So uh, if you could speak to that, that'd be great. Thanks. So, um, if I'm understanding right, like you, you say it's interesting that the, that the regular mail works because you would think that um, maybe people think it's just like 
junk mail or not important, so they're not opening it or whatnot. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, in Canada, the text letter is also not sent as registered mail. It's just in a different envelope, right? It has a different color. So this is how you recognize it, that it's a government letter. Um, I don't recall right now whether people could still tell from the outside whether it was a government letter or not. I would have to go back and check. So I, I cannot tell you um, what happened here. But I also, what I do know is that Eva also made it very clear to us that at least in Poland at that time, it was much less common that people would get junk mail. Um, so countries differ there quite a bit. So I am originally from Germany. I, you know, we, at least when I grew up, we didn't get those kind of letters. Well, in the U.S. now, you know, most of my mail seems to be just uh, <laughs> mail. I'm not even opening. I'm just taking it apart because I, I know it's not marketing. Yeah. So I think what this just um, emphasizes is that it's always important to check, like, what are what is the context in which in which you're operating? So if I'm operating in a context where people are getting a lot of junk mail, I have to think about it. if I'm now sending it via normal mail, what can I do to do it? And one way is like what the government in Canada is doing, send it a different color, for example, right? Send a different size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what just has to be created, but it is important to be cognizant of those kind of barriers or challenges well and so it's like a distinction where it's like if you send it in a different color envelope or a different size envelope then there can be some sort of like you know regular bill regular bill oh this is like a sort of special attention you know uh, airmail airmail kind of um those those distinctions which make it stand out right you know which maybe would add to the urgency i guess thank you so much it's been very interesting Thank you, Sarah. Well, I think we're just about out of time. So thank you again for a fantastic presentation. It was really interesting results to see. And we appreciate your your time and energy today. Um, And I'm sure uh, we'll be posting the recording for folks who want it. So people can feel free to reach out. And uh, thanks again to everyone for joining. We'll be back next, or not next month, uh, in May with presentations from a day party. So look uh, out for that information coming to your inboxes. Thanks everyone for the invites. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Dave. So these things that I've been on, um, I've done recorded a few of them now um, for Waterfall podcast episodes. Um, But they are behavioral insight nudges so I'll just read a bit about something that somebody had added to the chat it says business management Harvard Business Review do behavioral nudges work on organizations by Nina Mazur who was the person who was presenting at today's um, talk Um, and so the summary behavioral economics has shown that nudges can be used to help individuals act in their best interests Can you apply similar tools to change organizational behavior? Researchers collaborated with Ontario's Ministry of Finance to nudge organizations that failed to file an annual payroll tax return. They found that simple changes to a standard letter sent to late filers garnered 61% more in remitted taxes within 10 days of receipt of the letter, saving the ministry nearly six thousand dollars in collection costs and saving the organization money in additional penalties and interest so i'm just going to keep reading a little bit on this um uh harvard business review um webpage that was posted in the chat of this discussion that we just uh listened to and so more than a decade of research in behavioral economics has taught us that individuals are nudgeable The design of seemingly small contextual factors such as simplification and planning prompts that clearly articulate the when, where, and how of action can be used to induce individuals to act in their best interest in a variety of areas, including their health, their finances, and their education. And I would say that 
uh, like that apps are really in tune to this where, oh, did you get this notification? That's a nudge, right? You know, give this attention. And so I can see this working in, in the way that people have like Fitbits and, oh, you've been sitting too long or, you know, even like timers like, oh, you've been on your Instagram too for an hour. Your, your hour time limit is up. And so having these like nudges to make people more aware of their unconscious behaviors is really, it's really interesting. Uh, so I'm going to keep going yet despite the breadth of insight on how to improve individuals behavior we know relatively little about how or even whether such tools influence organizational behavior should we expect organizations to respond differently to nudges behavioral economics has taught us that human behavior is context dependent and researchers in the field of social psychology and organizational behavior have studied the many ways in which group contexts can amplify some psychological processes and diminish others on the one hand organizations are subject to competitive pressures which incentivize profit maximization and they can put in place cognitive supports like training, bureaucratization, and technology to help employees make better decisions. This might lead us to predict that organizational decision-making is already sufficiently optimized and a nudge will provide little to no added help. On the other hand, phenomena like groupthink, polarization, and Diffusion of responsibility and social loafing are biases that uniquely afflict group decision-making, suggesting that the nudges which work for individuals may be a poor fix what cause organizationals to go off course. To address, to help address the question of organizational nudgeability, we collaborate with the Ministry of Finance in Ontario a research focus on organizations that failed to file an annual payroll tax return. Typically, the finance minister informed delinquent organizations by mail one week after their due date that their tax return has not been received and reminded them to file the return immediately to prevent further action. The letter assumed that organizations simply forgot to forgot or wrote procrastinating because they did not take the delinquency seriously enough. So we tested one modification to this standard letter, standard late filing notice to see if it would help overcome this type of inaction. Our modified version reorganized the letter to ex into explicit step-by-step -step instructions of how and where to file a return, and it specified a deadline. The specific deadline was chosen for two reasons. First, it marked the time when additional collection efforts would be initiated including staffing of call centers or hiring of collection agencies. Second, it was more concrete goal than asking someone to pay immediately. Stylistically, we used second person pronouns and the active voice without significantly changing the meaning or reading difficulty. <clears throat> we expect these small modifications help modifications together would help these organizations who intended to pay their tax act upon this intention. So, uh, in each of two consecutive years, we randomly assigned all late filers around 6,300 and 6,200 organizations, respectively, to one of the two letters, the ministry's original or the modified version. We found that compared with the standard rate standard late filing notice our prompt with the concrete timeline increased delinquent organizations likelihood to comply and file their annual taxes four or five days sooner before the start of additional more costly collection efforts <clears throat> so uh that's pretty interesting in the sense that it really does um make a difference on how you ask and the big takeaway for me is always about context so um, the more costly collection efforts are borne by the tax organization, in this case, Ontario Finance. And <clears throat> oftentimes that doesn't really change anyone's ability to pay anything. But that's just my two cents. And thanks for listening to the 
Waterfowl podcast. Uh, this is Sarah Fowler, and I've been listening to Behavioral Insights um, or Behavioral. Thank you.